Welcome to the Gridiron Stud Show. Chad Wilson and Amo Calamino. Week number four of the NFL season. Week five, college football. We're breezing right along. Are we not, Amo? A lot of big games this week, and we are breezing right along. It'll be, what, October 1st tomorrow, which kind of really feels like football season when you hit October. Yes, I will I will say that. We get all the uh, warm stuff, um, whether that is the teams warming up to each other and their opponents, as well of the, as well as the weather. We start to get a little cooler. Things uh, start to heat up, consequently. Um, so looking forward to that. We've got a good slate on college and NFL. I'm going to be heading out west to Los Angeles to go root against my childhood team. How about that? Is there a game out there this week? Yeah, there's a, <laughs> there's a bit of a game out there in the NFC West. A battle of two undefeateds. Can you, can you believe that? You, and, and, yeah, one of them involves the Cardinals. Does indeed involve the Cardinals and my son, Marco Wilson. I'm very excited about this game. I got this for you, Emil. You know, Marco was a big Deshaun Jackson fan in middle school. He would dress up in his pads like him. It was all about Deshaun Jackson. He was an offensive player back then, primarily. Uh, and that was his guy. And um, it's surreal now because he's more than likely going to end up lining up in front of him a couple of times on Sunday. So it's really it's really fun and weird when those things end up happening. Um, in the I forget how long Deshaun Jackson been in the league, and then I remember that you know he played that uh, really good. You know, I related back to games at Cal because I remember a great game in 2004 when Rodgers was their quarterback, Deshaun Jackson yeah. was their wide receiver, and Marshawn Lynch was their tailback, and they played a great game with UFC in the Coliseum. So he's yeah. been in the league a while. I mean, what is thirty? It, yeah, years? thirty-four years old, man, and he's still running like he did when he was twenty-four. So. Uh, Marco better have his head on straight because um, Deshaun could run as fast or maybe even faster in certain occasions as Marco. But enough with that. Uh, we're getting into our topics today, and we've got we're going to have some fun here. Our main topic, though, our main topic is the five most overrated college football coaches in the game right now. We got to talk about that, Emil, because I hear certain guys being talked about week in, week out. Um, some of these guys are on a mantle, and I'm wondering, should they really be there? And I, I have a feeling you're doing the same. You know who I anointed last week as the most underrated coach? Who did uh, I? Uh, I don't remember that. Did you have a moment? Not on the some... show. Not on the show. On social media, I said the most underrated college football coach is Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly, yes. I do remember you saying that. Kudos to you for that. Because you didn't seem too high a couple of weeks ago when I was talking about him potentially being a coach um, candidate for your beloved USC Trojan. Because I don't see it as realistic. That's why. I got you. I got you. You know what I'm um, trying to say? I don't see. I, I think people. I've had Notre Dame fans hit me up with that. They think, you know, I said, listen, he, I just don't see it. I said, it's a lateral move. I mean, they're both blue blood programs. They don't like each other. And Brian Kelly belongs at Notre Dame because he's the fighting Irish coach and he's as Irish as you can be. <laughs> There's no more loyalty in sports. I think probably you need to get by that. You know, um, you'll have, um, you can have a, a Seminole go coach the Hurricanes. 
Easy. That can uh, yeah, maybe, maybe I'm stuck in a different, in a, you know, maybe the 80s is calling and they want me back. But I don't know. We'll see. I will see. We'll, but I want to do the overrated ones. I already yeah. know who the underrated ones are. I know. That's fun. Maybe that's something we could mess around with later on at some point down the road. But you did speak of social media. So before we jump into all of our topics today, we do need to talk about that. First of all, you can follow Emil on Facebook. Um, every week we spell his name. I, you know, I, I think I misspelled it once. Once you did, but you've been, you've been solid lately. You've been really I, solid I, on that. Yeah, I think I was working on junk sleep that day. That's my new term now that I've picked up that I've heard on these commercials. Junk sleep. That's me. Me and junk sleep. Junk um, sleep. Have okay. a contract. Yeah, that's me for sure. But you can follow Emil on Facebook. E-M-I-L-C-A-L-O-M-I-N-O. That's very good. There you Only go. took uh, you 20 years and you nailed it. There you go. Um, a lot of vowels there, so you know where this yes. guy's from. Um, also, very interesting, on Facebook, he will uh, do some thought-provoking stuff. So if you don't feel like thinking, don't go to his page. If you're a thinker, <laughs> <laughs> if you're a thinker uh, make your way over to Facebook and follow him there. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram, at Gridironsteads. I keep it simple for you. If you're TikTok-minded, inclined, same thing there, at Gridironsteads. You can check us out there. Still waiting for uh, that first, and I keep saying this, I'm going to throw an incentive out there, but or maybe, maybe not. But someone listening on Anchor, drop us a voice message. Promise we'll play it. Of course, you know, if it's not R or X rated, we will definitely play it over the year. If you want to reach the show, you can do so by email, cwilson at gridironstuds.com. I should probably change that email, huh? Emil, make it a little more show friendly. We'll do that. That's an easy fix. I mean, that's a pretty now. easy email. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Uh, Gridironsteads. Yeah. show at gridironsteads.com and you can create that. Yeah, but for, sure. now, for this week, for this week, if you want to curse Amal out or tell me how great I am, you can reach us on the show, C. Wilson at gridironstuds.com. All right. I think we got all that out the way. So we're going to kick this thing off with off the field issues. It's time to go. Well, you know, we said once in a while we would stray away from football because this off field issue is a different sport, but I mean, it was involved in football to a degree earlier in the year, but it's it seems in, it's, it's in all of our lives. Sure, sure. It seems like in the NBA, we've got some real vaccine hesitancy by some of the players, uh, some stars, specifically one Kyrie Irving. And I believe uh, Wiggins is one of them, a guy making 30 million bucks a year. And in their locales, the reason it is really impactful with those two specific players is their local ordinances require them to be vaccinated in order to play home games. Now, if they aren't, what they risk is missing 41 home games and having their pay docked. So if you're not real good at math, 50% of your games are at home. And if you make $34 million a year, you might flush $17 million over a shot. You know, uh, first of all, it's not just an NBA thing. There was definitely some vaccine hesitancy in the NFL. Um, I'm going to imagine in, in, in the MLB as well, probably all of the pro sports. However, we do know the NBA is a different breed. The players more control that league and can be more outspoken than let's say the NFL. The NFL is comprised of more players, obviously um, outside of quarterback, 
you it's very difficult to say one player controls the outcome of games and can be that kind of person. You can basically what I'm saying is you could be more outspoken, hesitant, militant, if I could use that word, in the NBA as opposed to the NFL. So this is a I think certain players just flexing their muscle because they can. Um, and B, um, I've always said attention is a drug. And you know, oh, yeah. maybe I'm gonna maybe I can sound like an old man here, but I'm kind of over Kyrie Irving. Um, he's not LeBron James, and this is his way of getting as much attention, or maybe even more, by pulling some sort of crap just to, just about every other month. I'm like over it already. Yeah, you know, I mean, the thing with with, and I think you, you pretty much sum that up because that's kind of how I feel about Kyrie. Um, He's, he never seems happy. You know, for a guy, you know, and money isn't everything. We all know that. People, really rich people have the same problems. We've talked about that other shows as everybody else. But for a guy who would seemingly have the world by the tail, you know, he has financial security. He has fame. He has fortune. He's talented at what he does. Gets to play. You know, I know I'm making it simple here. I know it's a lot of work, but guess what? So is working on a dock or driving a dock. He gets to play a game and make a lot of money. You would think, and he is, but he's not. Um, well, yeah, I'm obviously here to tell you, and you you touched on it. Money doesn't make you happy, so no. necessarily not having it. Um, well, ninety nine percent sure you're going to be pretty unhappy. But right, right, it's easier to try with it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got ways. You can at least get some temporary happiness. Um, but for um, guys like Kyrie Irving, you've grown up playing this sport pretty much all your life, from the time you can remember. So, what it's like for someone else um, that's maybe working at an Amazon warehouse it's just immaterial to them they don't know it they don't experience it they've just been experiencing this sport for the entirety of their life now they're receiving a paycheck for it so they're still maybe embroiled in some of the politics that may have existed in the sport since they were playing it you know there's politics in aau basketball and high school basketball and college basketball and maybe but there's politics in everything basically uh, but again this is what he's experienced he doesn't know it anywhere else and so Kyrie, it probably feels like he's a victim of maybe some kind of politics. Maybe he feels like he should get or should have received more attention for his on the court play. And he's probably over it. And now well, he's just going to go this route now. Well, let, let, let me reel this into to, to another question I want to ask you. And, you know, full disclosure, you know, I, I, we're both vaccinated. I know I am. And I believe you are, too. We've talked about it, right? You're, I am. And I will. Yes. And I'll maintain, as I think you will, that it is. It's a personal choice. Sure. And, and that's where I, I guess my question to you is, and I want to separate the two. Remember, you can be for something, but also be for the freedom. In other words, uh, you know, I might hold a different opinion than you on something. I'm all for your right to voice your opinion, even if we disagree. Okay. Mm -hmm. So in this case, I don't know how I quite feel right now about this, uh, you know, this mandating stuff. I'm not for, you know, we're, you know, as we get more and more, of you know, you must do this, it, you know, to me, after a certain point, it feels like, eh, you know, 
little bit too much nanny state to me. It's it's mm. like, you know, you got a vaccine. I got a vaccine. The vaccine, and you know, we talked about this without being doctors, what people miss is you can still get a virus with a vaccine. What it's designed to do is keep you from getting severely ill. And and right. by and large, statistics show it's working. Sure. Um, that doesn't mean you can't get the virus, but you shouldn't get, unless there's some you know, you got the black marble, as I like to say, in the bag of a thousand white ones, or there's some extenuating circumstances, you should be in pretty good shape with the vaccine and this virus. So I guess my point is, why do I, if, if I have it, what do I need to mandate you to have it? I mean, I don't really, you know, I, I, I would like you to get it because I don't want, I don't like seeing anybody die. But I mean, why do I, I, I guess I'm struggling with that. I don't know how I feel about it. Um, I, this is kind of where I am, you know, overall, just in general. Um, yeah, we'll tend to get upset because people don't think like us. That's just a fact. That's just the way mm -hmm. that it is. If anyone spent any good amount of time on Facebook over the last two, three, four years, that is, that is true. And whether people are want to admit it or not, if you don't think like me, I get upset and annoyed by it. Um, of course there are some way out thoughts processes by some sure. people here, far left, far right. It is what it is. However, um, I'm kind of with you on that. If I've chosen to take the vaccine and protect myself under what it is that I know or has been presented by me, by the public at large, the government, et cetera, et cetera, then fine. I am protected because, as you said, as someone who's vaccinated, according to what we know, if I am somehow infected by someone else, then the chances are that I will not get as right. sick. Yeah, you you might feel like crap. You might be on your couch a couple days. You might right. not be smelling things for a week. But, sure. but, you know, the statistics and what the stories and I have friends that are physicians are telling me is, listen, the people, well over 99% of the people they're seeing that come in where they need a, you know, hospitalization and or worse yet a ventilator or worse than that, they die. They're not vaccinated. So no, they're not. No, they're you not. Know. Here's the problem. With all that said. Um, yeah, I'm 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 protected. You're not protected. I've got my seatbelt on. You don't have your seatbelt on. The problem with this virus is this. You run around not vaccinated. Um, a lot of times that goes with not wanting to wear a mask, too. I'm not saying that for all, but those two two things seem to kind of go hand in hand. You go out now and you infect someone who is vaccinated. They're carrying around the virus. Chances are they're not that sick. And um, they're carrying it around. So they now go to someone who isn't vaccinated. That isn't vaccinated or still vulnerable, though they are vaccinated, because we do have some groups sure. in this country where that is the case. It's, you know, super elderly, et cetera, et cetera. Well, and you could be, get, you can be getting chemotherapy, but. You know, you know, yeah. let me and just you stop you there. Right? Yeah, that's bad. But here's the problem. Those people are um, in that they realize their vulnerabilities. And, you know, even before this started, if you notice, people you'd see out that were getting treatments that would weaken the immune system, such as, such as chemotherapy. They'll mm -hmm. typically at some point, they'll be wearing masks. And this is before pandemics because they realize mm -hmm. I can't get an infection of any kind. Yeah. So I guess what I'm saying is you're right. I mean, th th there is a broader issue and, 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 and your points are very valid and, and I've thought about them, but again, part of the trick of living in a, you know, 
a free country is uh, you got to balance all that. And I start to wonder when I see these mandates and I say, okay, but it's only for the home team. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, cause you can't, you know, so, so, so the Sixers are coming in and they have unvaccinated players. They can play in Brooklyn. I don't believe that that's how that works. No, it is. I read the article. That's what that's that's what made that's what made me that's what made me raise an eyebrow. The visiting I team is. I thought I heard if you are a player in the NBA, mm-mm. you travel to a city state that requires vaccination, you will not be able to play in that city. The article I just it. read, they said they they can play because it's a local ordinance, and and they can only heap it on people working locally. That's completely stupid. Right. And that's what I read. And, you know, again, I just read it. So, I mean, you, you know, <laughs> somebody. Emil, do you, like, have you sat here and, and thought about that? How stupid. That no, is? it is stupid. And that's why that's what made me bring it up as, as an off the field topic. And it, why I'm struggling with this, because it's like, well, wait a second. You know, and see, you know, we get in broader discussion. I don't want to tie the whole show up with this. I think it's an interesting topic. I'd love to hear from some listeners. Send us an email. You know, let us know what you think. I guess. You know, when this whole thing started, and I think we're still at that point 18 months later, as a country, we've made something medical political, okay? Mm-hmm. And when you start doing stuff like that, you, you get you're yourself You're playing with lives. Yeah, you're playing yeah, with lives. Yeah, and you get in a world of trouble because what's happened is both sides of the political spectrum have used this for various reasons. Well, and to- like nowadays, anything can become a football. Almost. Well, that, but, but that, but, but this is serious. Okay. So, I mean, every, you know, there's other serious things, but people don't die. And I feel like this football has been used by both sides to advance different aspects of their agenda. And I don't think it's right. And I think as a country now, we have a ton of distrust. I mean, people say stuff like, well, I'm not going to take the vaccine. I don't know what's in it. Do you know what's in your Big Mac? How about the I, fries? I mean, <laughs> listen, you're, you're damn chicken. You're going to cook tonight. <laughs> Can get recalled next week. So. Well, you want to talk about chicken? I mean, I don't want to say anything, but you know, there's certain restaurants where the, they say the chicken might not be chicken. You know what I'm <laughs> trying to say? <laughs> Listen, um, just to jump because I think we're going to slide off this topic here. In a yeah, second, but we were out on. Uh, I think we were. This is when I was coaching high school ball, and we were. Um, and we went out of town for a game. I want to say we we're in Virginia, so you know, coaches get around and we just start having a talk, and 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 you know. Soon you get into like weird topics. Um, so the head coach, Pat Sertan, who everyone would know, son's on the Denver Broncos now, just said the simplest thing that made all of us <laughs> that made all of us think. He said, there can't be that many chickens. He said, think about it. <laughs> he just said that. And we all paused and stopped. All of us we all eat chicken, stop. right? There can't be that many in of them. In a crazy <laughs> amount. Like is slaying chickens because have you driven by a chick-fil-a the lines down the street and wrapped around <laughs> every mall and everyone's not ordering a burger from chick-fil-a you can't this chicken and he's like well, how many franchises of chick-fil-a are there popeyes kentucky Fried. we eat chicken at home there's chicken at restaurants there's chicken everywhere there's yeah, come on there can't be that many chickens. i think we need to get your you you need to get your friend in a car and get them out to the center of the country to drive by where there's nothing but farms and go see a chicken farm because he may realize that there's Amo, plenty, there there's plenty of chicken. There's plenty of chicken. There, there better be because, good Lord, do we eat chicken in this country. Do we ever? Oh. And that's a, okay. Well, next topic. But anyway, if anybody wants to chime in, send 
chat, uh, an email, and we would be happy to read your opinion on that topic because it's an interesting topic. And I think we're not going to hear the and end I of it for quite a while. Opinion. I know sure they do. Opinion on COVID nineteen and the vaccine. So as and then yeah. in this case, it's as it relates to the NBA or any uh, any sport right now because all of them are dealing um, with this issue. The, the the vaccines and the mandates, et cetera, et cetera. All right, moving right along. Uh, Amal, you know, listen, we live in a social media world. Um, it has allowed sports fans to have an even bigger voice. Now you don't have to be at the stadium and hurl your insults. Everyone gets to be somewhat of a mini sportscaster. And so when um, a team kind of falls back off of the norm, you start to get um, very strong opinions. Now I've come, I listen, I've come to realize that a lot of times these very strong opinions that you get that sometimes seem wild or weird out of the ordinary in college football typically come from rival fans who are dressed up in a disguise, especially on Twitter. So that would be a troll, right? You're talking a about a troll. Yeah, a, Correct. A, a troll, but you know, I don't even want to say troll because some uh, trolls are kind of obvious. Um, some of these folks, it won't be as obvious, but they can kind of start a fire and get it going. Um, I think I've told a story on this show before that um, a friend of mine created fake offers for a high school football player. And those fake offers got reported and it blossomed into other offers from other football programs. And just a whole <laughs> thing happened there. 10, 11, 12 offers all born out of fake of fake five or six offers. So this kind of stuff can happen. But uh, I'm getting to this. All right. Clemson doesn't look like the Clemson of the last four or five years. All right. Their quarterback of all time just left. Mm -hmm. So did one of their greatest running backs. And several other key pieces are missing from the team. Um, so you're starting to hear, is the Clemson dynasty over? Emma, what is it that people expected? Did they expect... 13 and 0, 12 and 1, 13 and 1 every year at Clemson, or are they not allowed to pull back? Mind you, this loss they experienced this past weekend was their first of the season. Granted, they have not looked good in any game they've played this year, but it was their first loss. And of the season. you know, I, I and you know, I guess we we'd have to define that different show, but I think I think we're kind of we use the word dynasty a little loosely. I mean, I consider Clemson on a tremendous run. But they're certainly not a dynastic. dynastic they can't be a college dynasty football. in the middle of another team. Having no, and they're and they've never been. This is the best run of Clemson football ever. And I forget. You know, I think they've been playing football 110 years. I mean, what they remind me of a lot is that LSU run that they had from the first Saban. You know, when he was there, up through uh, you know what was it, Les Miles. Yeah. Okay. You know, I kind of feel like there's that where, where they were almost Alabama at the time, LSU, not quite, but they were in that conversation. And that's where I feel Clemson is. And they may pull back and they may not. That I don't know. I mean, this could go on for 50 years and they get coaches in succession and they're great. Or they just had a run with Dabo and he moves on to something else and they go back to being the team that was seven and five every year with, 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 with cool uniforms. <laughs> I don't know. It's possible. You know, it's possible. There's no doubt they've done quite a bit um, in the last yeah. few years. And yeah, I'm going to say it again. They've not looked good in any game this year, especially. They lost a lot of guys. Like you said, their offensive line 
is really where I think all their problems are emanating from. They they can't block. I mean, they they can't you know. So that that no that and people want to throw it on the kid, the quarterback, obviously because that's the most notable position. Uh, in that correct? But they do have issues. What I've seen on the defensive side of the ball is they don't have the dynamic players on the line of scrimmage that they've had in the past. In fact, I think they're, you know, their best player they lost this past weekend, Brian Breeze, who was a five-star a couple mm-hmm. of years ago towards ACL. He was probably the most dynamic thing they had along that line of scrimmage. Right now, they just don't, they don't have that kind of player there right now to force the pressure and cause turnovers. Now I see a lot more blitzing having to be done by Clemson to make stuff happen. And they don't always hold up in the back end now when they do that. So there are a number of issues. It's not all related to the coach, but man, can we pump the brakes on the dynasty being over? Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I don't think that's, I don't think that's fair because I think what people are trying to compare them to is something that we'll probably never see again. I mean, what's going on at Alabama is not the norm. Even, even for previous teams that you would call dynasties, nothing's been like what we've seen at Alabama. Mm-hmm. You know, where, where basically every year they're a top three team. <laughs> yeah, maybe old Notre Dame back in the days, the new Rockney days, whatever the case may be, neither one of us were around for that. So in our era and our time, which for us spans half a century, hey, to yeah, that to you, but um. That's probably it's the best. I can't even say probably it's the best run of any. Uh, although you know, maybe, maybe I'm doing a disservice to uh, Miami and Florida State in that '80s '90s period, where you know I think Florida State finished I don't know 13, 14 years in a row ranked in the top five, and Miami was pretty damn close. Miami. Yeah, I just think Alabama's has stretched longer. Um, it's longer you know, and even even more toward the top. Like I mean, well, I mean basically. Every year, you're basically saying, like I said, Alabama is one of three teams only that, that that can win a championship. It's not even yeah. like they're fifth. I mean, it's kind of well, odd. I will you know say I mean? this because I've given this some thought. I know we, being the Hurricanes, won the championship in in '83. Um, '84, we fell back a little bit. '85, we were we were pretty damn good. '86, many will say was the best team in that period, um, and that whole Penn State thing happened. No, no, but that was the 86 was the 85 team that you're thinking. No, no, you're right. 86. No, you're right. The team that lost in the 87 Orange Bowl. Right, right, right. right, right. 87 won a championship. Right. 88 had, I mean, if it wasn't for BS refereeing. Yeah. um, you know, it could probably could have won the championship. 89 yeah. won the championship. 90 didn't win the championship. But damn, Texas sure felt like that was the best team in the country. 91 won the championship. It was a really great run. It's just Alabama's now, I think it spanned 12 years. And six championships in 12 years. That's MLS every other year. If they're not, sure. If they're not winning it. They're damn near playing for it. I mean, so. but Miami, what you just named, was pretty darn close to that. I mean. Yes. A pure dominance. I mean, about, about as close as you're going to get. I mean, the 88 team lost to Notre Dame. Notre Dame Trust won the me, championship. Believe me, every Miami fan knows yeah. that because they're steady trying to yeah. reclaim. The '86 right team had no excuse to lose. I mean, I'm sorry, I'm up in Penn State country, but you know, I, yeah, I Benny mean, just he, felt like throwing passes to Penn State that night. I don't know what happened. Well, no, that was the game plan, and Jimmy admits it. I mean, that Alonzo, no, Alonzo Highsmith should have had 35 carries in that game. Okay, Most so likely, yes. Yes. Okay. So that was being stubborn and saying, but you know, again, you basically almost, that was as close as I remember in my lifetime to, to what's going on now, I'd say. 
the Miami, but even then, I think I think Alabama. I'd even have to put them a notch above that. Yeah, um, because it's it's still in process, and again, yeah, it's, it's twelve years. What I just described was basically uh, not, ten years, because you know, right. 92, so, so again, we played. Bring, let's rein this in back, going back to the original topic, Clemson. I think the people are being unfair because they're seeing a little pullback for a year on Clemson. And all of a sudden saying, well, that's over. Well, no, you're, you know, how do you know that? I mean, it's, it's games in, in a year where, yeah, they may have a little regression, but to say it's over, if you're comparing it to Alabama, then everybody's over. I mean, yeah. So. yeah, sure. Ab- absolutely. So we'll see um, how Dabble pulls all this together. Listen, the ACC is not tremendously difficult this year. So they'll most likely win all the rest of their games, unless there are a few more surprises left there. Um, I think Clemson will be fine, but that's left to be said. Just a reminder to you now, since we're talking about Dabo and Nick Saban, we are our main topic today is we are going to have the five most overrated college football coaches, um, according to Abel Calamino and Chad Wilson. And again, you know, we always do these lists and we don't talk before about who's on our list. We don't do it until we get on air. So this one, I think, is going to be. Super interesting. There's no way, Emil, we have the same five guys with us. I'm going to say that right Probably now. not, but I mean, I bet you we have two or three. But oh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. All right, so that's going to be our main topic. Sliding right along, Emil thinks Aaron Rodgers is going to end up not on the West Coast? No, I'm that, feeling – you know what I'm feeling here? You know what I'm feeling? Here's what I'm feeling. Hear me out. You look at you look at the setup. The the 49ers wanted him. They they just made a big man, a big move. They used a high pick to get a quarterback. Um, sure, you could reverse course, but what you gave up that it wouldn't make sense now. I, I see the yeah, Steelers. Yeah, the whole 49ers thing's dead, of course. Yeah, I see the Steelers as a sleeper because here's the thing: it's obvious if you've watched their first three games. Ben Roethlisberger, Ben. I mean, I, I'm sure people in Buffalo are still trying to figure out how they lost the opener. Because if you've watched Damn Roethlisberger, good defense. Pittsburgh plays defense. Yeah, and that, yeah, but that's it though. He's done. They they don't have a quarterback. I mean, he's done. Um, you could see it, especially against the Bengals. I mean, he's just he's yeah, old and he's, he's shot. He's, He's Mike Tyson against Lennox Lewis, right? Yeah, now. that's right. He's done. Okay. And you look at a guy, where is there a better franchise if you're coming from the Packers that has a similar ethos, the way they're constructed and, you know, small town, fans love it, play defense, you know, cold, everything. You got the Steelers. They have what you just said, a very good defense. They're still built to contend if they have a quarterback. You know, uh, and I will definitely agree. I've just noticed that a lot of these quarterbacks, um, when they want to make a move this late, tend to <laughs> tend to want to go somewhere warm. Um, they mean, do, Brett, but he, this this guy's Brett, coming Brett from cold. the only one I know that's like, you know, it's cold here in Green Bay. Let me go to Minnesota where it's even more cold. <laughs> yeah, colder. Yeah. So well, cold can, that they built an indoor stadium. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I haven't completely frozen my entire ass off. That little bit that I got left, I think I'll go freeze it off in Minnesota. But that's kind of dead for him. Can't go to Frisco. You're not going to Seattle, obviously. Neither one of these Los Angeles teams are going to take you on because they, they're set at their quarterback. You could go to Miami. But, my, but Miami, the Glazer, Glazer said – that's another thing when yeah, I'm veering off, but it t- kind of ties to this, that 
Houston is supposedly softening the demands, and the Dolphins, their ownership, want Deshaun Watson. I just think and that's going to happen, Emil. It's going to happen. I just it's going to happen. Gonna yeah, happen. that's going to happen because, again, see, we touch on everything. Last week, we talked about Tua you know, hitting the delete button. And I think Miami might, maybe they listened to the show or maybe they were hitting the delete button too, right? It's not going to happen. He's just not it. He's not it. So I think that, you know, the Steelers become the sleeper when Rodgers, if he, assuming he gets traded, let's pretend. I mean, that after everything that would happen this off season, it'd be, it'd be something if he didn't get traded. But I I see them kind of as a sleeper because we talked about the Steelers last week. They're kind of in that, that tweener zone where, their defense is going to keep them from being awful, the kind of awful you need to get a franchise quarterback. Mm-hmm. And, you know, unless you want to start giving up draft assets to move up, and that's really not the way the Steelers do business. They build through the draft. Yes, I, I love that organization. I uh, hated them as a kid because I was a Rams sure. fan. Sure. And I was a Cowboy fan. I didn't like them either. So. Of course, you were licensed to hate them. Right. But does Aaron Rodgers really want to follow a Ben Roethlisberger? Is that really something he wants to do? Or, or Amol, Carson Wentz can't get it done for the Colts. What about the Colts? As you know, as Aaron yeah, Rodgers being see, used I, as a rental. I, I, I could see that too. I could see that too. I think I think your uh, Roethlisberger concern is kind of where, uh, let's look at this. When did the Steelers win their Super Bowls at Roethlisberger? Early on. 2005-2008. So literally we're sitting, you know, we're, we're starting to approach 15 years here on the last one that they won. But they've been good and they've been in the mix. I mean, I understand that. Of course. Everything's canceled because you were in the Patriots era too. I I, I get all that, but I don't think that's going to hold Rogers back from going there. I mean, I'm not saying the Colts would be a good destination too. Um, You know, because if Wentz ends up being what I think he'll be, you know, they're going to need a quarterback. So. Mm. Hmm. Well, I mean, it is interesting. I think it would be a good move for Aaron Rodgers simply because of how that organization is run um, and because they can play really, really good defense, something he has kind of had in spurts uh, as a Packer. And if he is trying to go out with another championship, then um, that might be his best bet of spots that are available. I don't know what his game, his his goal is here. Is it? I just want to win two of these things. Um, I I sincerely hope he's not trying to catch Brady because that's not going to happen. No, he's too far behind. And damn it, man, the guy's still playing. So and, and yeah, he might add. So no, no. I, I well, just listen. I threw it out there. It's a theory. Keep it in mind. We'll see how it plays out. Maybe they, you know, maybe things go well in Green Bay this year, and they have a a, a giant makeup session, and 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 he never leaves Green Bay. Who knows? Certainly, you know. Certainly, we we will we will see. I'm 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 kind of feeling like like that might be what happens. Well, winning is a great sanitizer. You know, you see a lot of things go away when you win. <laughs> yeah, no no question. I'm sure uh, Devontae Adams will put some a little bit of pressure on him to stay in Green Bay because I think that's what Devontae Adams would like. No one really just wants to move like that, especially with the amount of success they've had together. In Green Bay, um, not, not only as a duo, but as a team. So, you know, do you really want to upset that, et cetera, et cetera? That's a developing situation we'll continue to talk about. Emil, I do want to talk about some thoughts on college football and some of the games that happened last week. But I think we'll save that for when we uh, have our pick segment 
Um, maybe that can take some of the sting off of what went on last <laughs> week. So um, moving right along, man, it's time for halftime adjustments. Listeners, if you love getting cash back like I do, then you've got to get the Get Upside app right now. Get cash back on your everyday purchases without changing anything about how you shop or live. You'll pay however you normally do with a credit card or debit card, and cash back will be deposited directly to your GetUpside account. There's no limit on how much you can earn. GetUpside even works with other coupons, discounts, and loyalty programs. First, you claim your offer. Find local offers on everything from gasoline to restaurants and everything in between. Second, you spend. You shop as you would at your favorite spots around town. Third, check in or scan receipts. Check in to log your purchase, and you'll be on your way. Finally, get rewards. Earn cash back and cash out whenever you want via PayPal, e-gift card, or check. It's just that simple. I love coffee, and I get mine for free just by earning cash back from GetUpside. Download the app and get started getting your cash back today. Click on the link in the description of this episode to get started. It's time for halftime adjustments. I'm starting to really like this segment, so um, take it away, man. Okay, this one's be as a schematic we're not going to be going through x's and o's as much as this is more ten thousand feet theory and my question to you is this can you still or do you still need great cornerbacks or a cornerback lockdown type in today's nfl with the rules because what i'm going with this is do you feel that that player is still able to dominate a game the way let's say a Deion Sanders, or even going back further, a Mel Blunt, or do you think the rule hamper is such that you can get by with average corners and you should be putting more resources into just pure pass rush because of the ticky-tack pass interference and holding and everything else rules? Take Amo, it away. Amo Calamino. Are you not aware of what I do? I, I am. That doesn't mean that doesn't stop you from being honest. <laughs> this guy, this guy's talking to a defensive back trainer, um, and is asking me this question. All right, well, um, you did kind of clean it up, but when you initially asked, him, I'm like, "Is this guy serious?" But no, I get what you're saying, um, and I've even discussed this with some friends over time. I said, if, "Have you? Let's look at how this league has worked." First, you had Mel Blount beating up guys just bullying wide receivers. And so they made this Chuck rule that still exists now in this. If, if, if you guys ever want to know why you can't in the NFL, as opposed to college football, make contact with a wide receiver down the <laughs> field when the ball is still in the quarterback's hand, it's because of number 47 that used to play for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Mel Blount, Google it, YouTube it, look it up. Then we get a guy out in Oakland who sprayed this stuff all over him. And came up with 13 interceptions one year. The only person to really threaten Dick Night Train Lane's 14 interceptions in a season, single season record. And suddenly that can of whatever he was spraying is now outlawed. Then you get years later, Darrell Rivas, who's super physical at the line of scrimmage and squeezing guys and whatever. And then they start uh, coming up, not necessarily with a rule, but they've just kind of changed the way that they call the game after Revis and that whole Legion of Boom era where they were just beating down wide receivers once again within the framework of the rules. Now we are getting more ticky-tack calls. Um, I'm annoyed just about every weekend watching games at some of the stuff that gets called. However, you still do need lockdown corners in this league. You, you're not going to have a league that passes the ball around, that has mm -hmm. such dynamic wide receivers 
um, as what exists right now and not be able to have guys who understand the way the rules work right now and can cover guys down the field. Yes, there's been, a, you know, much more emphasis put on rushing the passer, um, getting defensive ends and, you know, defensive tackles like an Aaron Donald that can get to the quarterback. Yes, there's an emphasis on that because there aren't as many rules right now. Trust me, when when more quarterbacks start getting flattened, they'll come up with more rules and then they'll shift back to the defensive backs. But you still need the Jalen Ramseys. You still need the Xavier Howard. You still need the Stephon Gilmores and the and the other guys that are, exist right now that you go and line up on number one guys when you need them eliminated from a game plan. I just don't think that that's ever. So let me clean it up away. one one more little further. Just ask you. So you still feel it's possible to be a lockdown corner, even within these rules. Yeah, it's harder now than it's ever been. Um, and I think we're going to have to change our thought of what a lockdown corner is. You're going to give up some passes. Um, you're going to get some penalties, especially if you're aggressive, which is what you need to be at that position. However, um, you know, if you go out there and limit – when a guy comes to your stadium and he's had a certain amount of success the previous weeks, so let's say a guy is catching eight balls on average for 120 yards for the last three, four weeks, and he shows up to your stadium and he's four for 55. Well, then you've significantly helped your team. Um, it's right. It's no longer and, and I guess I've changed my I've yards. changed my definition personally and what I expect. In other words, if if I see a corner, you know, gets thrown at ten times and gives up seven completions for 60 yards. I don't care as long as I know every few weeks he takes the ball away because of really course. that's what I want. That's what I want. My DBs, you know what this kid we got in Dallas, this young guy from Bama Diggs, Stefan's brother, love him. Yeah. You know why? Yeah. I always see him coming up with the ball. That's, that's right. all I care about anymore. Get, get the right. ball. Football's about right. the ball. I don't it care. You don't, don't knock down passes because they're going to throw another one on the next play and probably get a penalty or something crazy or a hold or just get the ball. Sure. <laughs> that's all I care um, about. And, and to, to that point, that's how I have started um, training the guys that I'm with from the high school level, because those guys, you know, hope God willing will be in the league in you know, five or six years. But even the guys that are in the NFL right now that I train and in college, I'm teaching them to get the ball, go after the ball. That, you know, it means you may give up a little bit more than you're used to. You may give up that touchdown because you're gambling for a ball. But not doing that nowadays turns into a penalty. So not only do we not have the opportunity of getting the turnover, um, they're penalizing it for you. And if you're in the NFL, it's a spot foul. So it's a tremendous penalty. So you might as well turn your head around, go get the ball. Yeah, you'll give up a touchdown. The fans will be excited. Not yours. But you'll turn around and you'll get an interception. Uh, more than you probably normally would if you're just a guy that wants to play guy's hands and just be physical and keep him away from the ball. No, you go get the ball. And that's really. What yeah. That, and that's what we're anymore. both saying that I feel like, you know, maybe I'm not saying it in coach lingo, but I feel like in, you know, 20, 25 years ago, you might teach a guy on a certain play to be, be more conservative, go up, keep him away make, from the ball. Yeah. Make, make sure you keep you him away. Yeah. Yeah. You go up, you knock that ball down, keep him in contact with you. Don't let him get away from you. Now I think what you teach is go up and high point the ball and try to get the damn thing. And if it gets over your hands and he catches yeah. it for a touchdown, yeah, it so is, be it. <laughs> it is what it is. You're going to end up giving the league the 40 to 45 game that they want anyway. So, you know, let's just play the game the way that it is, but yeah, you still need great corners. Great corners now are going to be guys that probably take the ball away more. 
Um, it's not going to be so much as a guy that uh, holds a, a top receiver to two catches for 20 yards. I don't think it's that anymore. They won't even allow you to do that. It's just not good for the game and the fantasy football players. It's a discussion I think we need to have somewhere down the road, the impact of fantasy football on the game. Sure. I was in the stands last week at the Cardinals game, and there were a couple of people behind me going on and on and on about how a certain player on the field it's all they care was, about. was hurting their fantasy um, yep. their fantasy football game. Going on and on. I mean, that's I don't all they care about. This generation is that that literally is all they care about. <laughs> yes. Uh, Emil, I really wanted to send the Gatorade over my shoulder into their lap. Like, <laughs> shut the hell up already about your stupid fantasy team. You're not winning your league anyway. So uh, <laughs> at least they didn't hit you with pro football focus. I'm hoping. Um, God, if I ever hear that, <laughs> if I hear that, but you know what, Emil, it beats what happened to me in Tampa a couple of years ago when I went, I don't know if this, you've been, to, you've been to your fair share of, um, NFL and college football games in your yes. life. You let me know if you've ever had this experience. So we're going to watch the Colts play the Bucks. This is back when uh, Quincy was on the Colts. And, you know, you're at a game, people drink, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, there's a group uh, behind me. I think it was a, a, a two guys, three girls, or a guy and two, three girls, et cetera, whatever the case may be. They're a little rowdy behind me. Um, and my cousin who, you know, is, you know we'll, we'll hit bars and drinks, um, looks at me and says, hey, the girl's going to throw up on you. I was like, oh. ah, yeah, all right, whatever. <laughs> so, um, you know, she went from being raucous, one of the girls behind me, the one sitting right behind me, um, uh, went from being raucous to, I heard her go, Woo! it was, it was just a sound now that I'm very, I'm, to this day now, since then, I'm it was coming. It. it was coming. That was a warning shot for you. So raucous. <laughs> then there was the woo sound that sounded woozy to flat out sleep to something warm splashing on my back. Oh, you're making me sick. And I hope you. I hope you ran. Had your cousin run to the pro shop and get you a shirt. Amel, you don't know this, Chad Wilson. <laughs> That showed up once that stuff hit my back. You don't know this one. You haven't met this one. You've met you've you've met real cool Chad Wilson. <laughs> my man, I turned into someone else and went ballistic. And to the shock of well, nothing was gonna shock the girl that was bombing on She, was she didn't even know what she did. Yeah. No, she's three sheets to the wind, but her friend was mortified. <laughs> The guy that was there was trying to wanted to offer me money, um, <laughs> which after he after he went on for a while, I was like, you know what? Damn it. Yes. Good. Give me the 20. I'll take the 20. Went wanted to get me a beer. I was like, dude, that's how this all started. That's how drink. it started. I, I don't. Drink you see, you're nice. Beer. You took the money. I would have said, no, you get your credit card. You go up to the damn pro shop. OK, I don't even like my son's <laughs> playing for the other team. Get no. me a damn Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> no, listen. They, well, the fortunate thing was they were giving out shirts that day. So I dried myself off with what was – oh, and towels for whatever reason. It was it was fortunately towel and shirt day. So I dried myself off with what was left of my shirt plus the towel that they gave out. And I wore a Tampa Bay Bucks jersey into the Colts family area afterwards <laughs> to meet with my son. Now, granted, And then you took them through this whole story. 
<laughs> of well, why you well, had a Tampa jersey on. <laughs> yeah, well, well, you know, but hell, I wasn't, I wasn't that happy with the Colts then anyway. So I kind of walked in there with my chest out with the Tampa Bay sh- uh, shirt on because they did beat the Colts on that day. But, but nevertheless, man, yeah. Um, I don't even know why I got on this story. I just felt like I needed to tell you. No, that, that's but. listen. I've never. No, I can say I've never had. Uh, no, I've never had that happen because I've, I have a germ freak like that. That would have really done. Oh man, that, that would have hurt me. <laughs> yeah, you didn't know who this guy was when that stuff hit me. So, moral of the story here, kids listening, is when you hear behind you by someone that's drinking, clear, clear it, clear, clear out. <laughs> clear All out. I can do is look at my cousins like. Man, you said it, but that was kind of a limp. Kind of he warned limp. you, but he didn't warn no, you hard enough. Limp, it was a limp dick warning. Like, you look, yeah. her blood here. Grab my arm and be like, yo, she's about to throw up. She's got about 10 seconds. Why don't you come sit over here by me? But anyway, that's my got vomited on the story. <laughs> uh, Bucks, <laughs> Bucks, Colts. Seems like a really good time, speaking of vomit, to move on to our picks from last week. Amel, we didn't oh, do too well. Yeah, they were they were not good. Uh, we'll, yeah, we'll I, got go a, through I got a collar in one of these leagues, so yeah. Quickly, we'll we'll go through them uh, quickly. Uh, in college, uh, I was two and one. Uh, Chad God and I bless, both had Notre you. Dame. Yeah, we, we both had Notre Dame. Yeah, only and I I, right I gave you guys the don't make sense pick with Boise State giving nine on the road yeah. to an Very undefeated good. team. Very, Very good. good, easy winner. Easy. Generally, I had Texas Tech. That was a loser. Two and one. Chad went one and two. He also had Notre Dame. Uh, he went against his sons. Uh, fierce arch rival or went with them. He took Tennessee against Florida and he yes, was penalized. Yes, Florida yes. did Florida did them good and he well, had no, some tough. No, no, I will say this. Um, and this is something for, you know, I don't know how much I'm going to be talking about Florida games in terms of picks as we go on here. But this is one thing I did notice in watching Dan Mullen since he came over to Florida is that I don't know if he is aware of the point spread. However, he's not a guy that will take his foot off the gas at the end of the game. And by that, I mean he'll be up three, four touchdowns, be on that final drive, and he won't run the ball. He won't. He definitely won't take a knee. Doesn't do that. Not about that. We'll drop back and lob fade balls. We'll throw the ball into the end zone with a significant lead on that final drive. And it just does not matter to him. I think he's a guy that really likes to see the stats of his players. And I'm not saying that in a negative way. Well, then we will remember for future shows because you were getting 19 and Dan, Dan did you by 24. Okay. Yes, he did go down and he got a final, <laughs> he got a final score. Now it was 17. Yes. Yeah. You were in the well, number. You had, you had some bad seven. luck in the Michigan state game as well. Well, no, hold on. He was up 17. He was winning. He could have yeah. just eased up, ran the ball, punted, whatever. But no. He went down there and scored. Not only that, adding insult to injury, Tennessee got the ball, got all the way down. Amel, I think to the five yard line with a chance to score and their backup quarterback that came in sails the final pass three rows up into the stands. Yeah. They and, couldn't uh, even walk in the back door for you. Yeah, freaking Tennessee idiots. Yep. I had yep. I should have known better. Um, and I think I think Michigan State's pick was I think we have to start realizing maybe Nebraska is better than we thought they were. They lost by seven to Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. They took Michigan State into overtime, lost yep. by three. Uh, you were given five in that one. I like that. I had a that chance pick. to win that one too. They went to overtime. Yes, yes, you did. You, no, I mean you you could have easily been three and zero, but. 
you know, there's a whole bunch of guys that are ripping up tickets on Saturdays and Sundays. No question. Feeling like that. So anyway, so. you, yeah. you are, you were one and two so far uh, in, in college football. Okay. Let's see, Chad, you were two and one and one and two. So you yes. were three and three. I am indeed three and three kissing. Or no, wait, excuse me. In college. No, no, no. You were one and two both weeks. You're two and four. Oh, am I? Love yes. That. Yes, yes. And uh, I am uh, two and four as well because I took a collar in week one. So in college, we're not doing too good. We move over to the pros. In the pros, I was one and two. Loser on the Texans on Thursday night. They were pushing that game late. Carolina tossed one in the end zone, one by 15. I was getting eight. Loser. I had the Browns minus seven. I told you that felt like a beat down coming. I was right on that one. Uh, they, they killed the Bears. I think they sacked the quarterback nine times. That was yes. a winner. And uh, you and I both took a loss uh, on the Raiders. Okay. I, well, uh, I took nothing but losses, my friend. Sure, but the Raiders hurt. I mean, they played hor- horribly and made a game of, you know, had to win in overtime in a game I felt they should should have dominated. The Dolphins are not good. So I was uh, one and two. Uh, putting my pro record at four and two, and you took a collar in the pros with the Colts, Raiders, and Jets. And I don't even know if we need to cover that Jets pick. I mean, that was uh, you did kind of uh, ask me if I was okay when I made it, and I, yeah, I did. Like week three is the last week that you can take teams like this, so I'm not looking at the Jets. For, no, uh, no, no, no. So, so anyway, you were you you're two and four overall in the pros. Your overall record sits at four and eight. Mine is six and six. Neither one of us is lighting it up yet two weeks into this thing. Uh, so we need to get some winners this week. Yeah, there's a round now, though, when I can kind of get my act together. So we'll see if that is true coming up this week. So I guess I'm going first in both of these leagues since I was so terrible last week. So jumping on this, um, conventional wisdom would say, hey, look, Wisconsin just got their nose bloodied in a nationally televised game. But Emil... I, we both picked Notre Dame last week. I didn't expect Wisconsin to get dominated in the fashion that they did um, towards the end of the game. You know, I'd expect someone like Wisconsin to have more steam towards the end, um, but they just didn't. And that's not, as we both have admitted, not the greatest Notre Dame team. Nope. But at the end of the day, 41-13, I would have been keen on taking Wisconsin this week against Michigan if they were an underdog, which is what I think they should be, and they're not. Somehow Wisconsin is a slight favorite in this game against Michigan. Michigan's a team that I've seen play each week. I've been keenly interested in what Michigan looks like because it seemed like a – what's the word I'm looking for for Jim Harbaugh this year? just seemed like it was all or none for him yeah. this year. So I've been paying attention, and they're a good football team, Emil. Um, the score last week against Rutgers – would not really say so, but I'm here to tell you Rutgers is a much improved football team. Greg Schiano can coach the Rutgers football team. He's a good coach. Let me not say that. Yeah, but is. when it comes to Rutgers, he can coach his ass off head coach wise at Rutgers. Um, and he's doing a great job with them. So that's a, that's a good team that Michigan beat in the middle of what it is. Um, the two games that they have been up against. So I think Michigan um, had plenty to be chapped about this week. I like them as a one and a half point underdog against whiskey, uh, whiskey on the road. I okay. think they're a better team. So I like them to win that. Um, Texas A&M, they got their nose bloodied by Arkansas. I tried to tell people about Arkansas week one. I think that was the week that you weren't here, Amal. Or, um, yeah. But I happened to check yeah, them out. Check them the out. first thing the first that jumped that out jumped at me out was, was their quarterback. Their quarterback. 
KJ Jefferson. Um, um, outstanding, outstanding now being compared, being compared to Cam Newton, et cetera, et cetera. They ran into a buzzsaw with uh, Arkansas. And so they got embarrassed. Amos, they got to come back. And I think they do this week as a seven-point favorite versus Mississippi State. I watched Mississippi State against LSU. There's some good things that they do there, but they're, it's not a good football team right now. So I think it's a good game for Texas yeah. to come back and get right. Texas bounce State back game. Very good. Yeah, very good game for them to come and bounce back. Um, so we're moving on to... 12 action. Oregon, Oregon taking on taking Stanford. Stanford. Oregon, Oregon doing well for themselves. I don't think it's time for this to end. I don't know what happened in that Stanford USC game, Emil. Um, that's your squad. I don't know what happened. No way Stanford should have beat USC like that. Stanford's not that good. And I think Oregon is. And I think minus eight is a little light for Oregon in this game. I don't see any distractions next week for them. So I like Oregon as an eight. I think the public and odds makers are kind of baking in that Stanford over the last 10 years has sort of been Oregon's kryptonite. It seems like for some reason they match with Oregon. I tend to agree with you. Uh, I I don't Stanford squad, how they beat USC is simple. USC right now is a dumpster fire internally. And, um, you know, the remnants of Clay Helton are not going away easily. Okay. Need to power wash that out of there. Okay. It looks so. Yes. Okay. So you've got Michigan plus one and a half, Texas AM minus seven, and Oregon minus eight. Okay. For me, wait till you see this. There's going to be a trend you see when I'm all done. Okay, let's start off. We're in the we're in the pack twelve. And I look, I pick it up and I look at the line and I based on the laundry. Okay. USC is giving seven half points at Colorado. Now I know Colorado might not be world beaters, but they just played that Texas A&M team you're talking about at home and they lost what? 10 to seven. Yeah. Good very defensive well game. Yeah. Right. And I got a USC team. Listen to this folks. They lost last week to Oregon state in the Coliseum 45 to 27. I believe Oregon state ran the ball for over 300 yards. Now, they haven't lost to Oregon State in the Coliseum since 1960. That's a long time ago. Okay. <laughs> There's no way this team should be laying seven and a half points to anybody, let alone on the road. I'll take Colorado plus seven in the hook. Uh, so that, let me ask you this, though. Doesn't that doesn't it scare you, then? Uh, USC like, has never lost to Colorado, as best I can remember. If, if I go look up the series, I believe yeah. it's something like 14-0. Okay. I think this is one based on history, the laundry, whereas I think they're making a line that says this is the action we're going to get. Everybody's going to figure out, ooh, USC's going to be mad this week. They got embarrassed. Remember, they got beat by Stanford the following week. They won by 31 on the road. But guess what? That kid, Dart, was playing quarterback. He's not playing quarterback this week. He got a meniscus tear. Slovis is not the answer. Okay, Three picks last week. I just I think this is a low scoring game, you know, maybe 20 to 17. Somebody wins it. Somebody has to win it, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm, I, going, I, I just but I'm going to be the winner yeah, <laughs> because I'm getting seven maybe, and a half. I just thought maybe that line would scare you because I'll tell you uh, before you go on to your next pick. What scared me this week was I really said to myself before I saw the line, Georgia, Arkansas. Hey, I might. I might have a play here with Arkansas because I still think they're underrated, even despite what they did 
against Texas A&M. So I was all ready for, to take Arkansas if they were, you know, a decent sized favorite. When I go in there, Georgia's an 18 point favorite. And I was like, well, you know, that scared the hell out of me. I was like, 18? Why so much? Um, I know the quarterback. I'm glad you mentioned that because I'm moving right along to that game. Okay, good. There we go. And it doesn't scare me at all. This game is purely being based on, I believe, the line, the odds make. No, I think the odds makers look at Arkansas. They're still not convinced. And they think, well, you got to play A&M and Georgia back to back, which is true. That's a tough task. But 18 and a half points. And listen, that Georgia defense is serious. I'm not saying they're not. But I think Arkansas can get 14, 17 if they do. I, I watch how Arkansas plays defense. I, I don't see Georgia rolling them for 40 points. I just don't. Yeah. Um, I'll take 18 and a half. If I'm going to lose, yeah, I'll go down with that. I think God, Arkansas God is confident. It scared the hell I, out of me. I think they're going to play confident and not tight. The pressure's on Georgia in this game. They're expected to contend for a national championship, not Arkansas. There you Give me, okay. So says Kalamina. And, you know, it's funny. You've been leading me around without even knowing. Uh, you talked about Greg Schiano. I'm a believer in Schiano at Rutgers. If oh, there's wait, one look, place. In Jersey, that man can coach his ass off. Yeah, he can coach when he's in Jersey. And you know what? This is not the Buckeye team, much like Clemson. Not the Buckeye team we're used to from the last few years. They're vulnerable. They're a 15-point road favorite. And I know some of the scores they've hung up against Rutgers in recent years. 60s, 63, but this is not the same Rutgers. And believe me, Shiano will use that to remind these kids of what Ohio State's done to them over the last decade. And I expect Rutgers to play hard. I don't expect them to win, but they don't have to win. They're getting 15 points. I'll take Rutgers at home plus 15. All righty. There you go. That's it. Colorado seven and a half, Arkansas plus 18 and a half, Rutgers plus 15. This guy is barking. He loves the dogs this week. So um, I'm Michigan. The Michigan's my only underdog. Plus one and a half, Texas A&M minus seven, Oregon minus eight. Moving on to the NFL. I will kick that off again. Who got embarrassed last week? That Washington football team got embarrassed. I mean, absolutely slapped, punched, kicked all in the face by the Buffalo Bills. Like the Bills, the last two weeks have been on some kind of a rampage. So they got ran over by some Buffalo and um, I just don't think that sits too well with those guys. So um, I see them coming back this week and kind of cleaning up their act. Washington's better than what they looked like last week. Yeah, I mean, I mean, no one looks that bad this early in the NFL, correct? Am, am I wrong? Here? No, I mean, you know, they could easily, you know, uh, uh, if Dexter Lawrence could line up on the right side of the football, they could be 0-3 right now. So I don't think they're that bad. And, uh, you know, I know what. So, <laughs> yeah, Atlanta's not that good. No. Somehow, though, they got themselves a victory last week. Might be a little bit too giddy off of that. They come back, find themselves a favorite at home. But Atlanta's got issues. Um, I did not see this happening with Atlanta this year, but I've happened to sit here and watch them, and they just don't look like the team that I thought they would be. Remember Same we here. Were, I think we Same here. I, we both liked them. I Atlanta. thought they'd be. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had Atlanta as an 11 11 game winner this year that's not going to happen and i just don't think they're going to win this week i think washington is the play here i i have them um actually atlanta is not the favorite washington's the slight favorite in this game and they should be um atlanta did start off as the favorite and i'd like to say the wise guys 
If I, I got the skins that. at one and a half. Is that Joe? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and so you, you can't got call the them the skins. Anymore. Oh, that's right. I'm we're sorry. Gonna a, we're gonna get a I'm letter so, from the Indians. Though. Oh, that's right. Okay, the Washington, the WFT. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. Uh, this next pick, Emil, you're not gonna like, but Carolina's coming into town. They had a Thursday game. They're gonna be well rested. Cowboys not rested. Played a Monday night football game against a division rival in front of everyone. Looked damn good doing it. You know what happens with the lines after that? A little bit of extra cheese, which. Um, you know, happens has been thrown on this. Carolina comes in as an undefeated team. They're playing solid football, very good on defense, getting competent play from that quarterback that was a Jet last year that was seeing ghosts. Remember that? He was seeing ghosts. Sure he was. Uh, so, yes, he's looked he's looked a whole lot better as a Carolina Panther. I think that's a solid team coming in there. And for the Cowboys, you're coming off the Eagles win on a Monday night. Then you got the Giants next week. It's the Giants. I know they're not playing well, but it's still a division rival. It's still the Giants. I think this is a bad spot for the Cowboys, especially as a four and a half point favorite. So I'm going to jump on with the Panthers. Maybe your Cowboys can win by a 20 to 17 score or something like that. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, so you got another, four and a half in the Panthers, one and a half given on the Redskins. What's the last one here? Top me off. Give me the cherry. Well, yeah. Last one was another team that was in a primetime game. It's the San Francisco 49ers. They had a game one and ended up losing it somehow, some kind of way to Aaron Rodgers. I think they left Aaron Rodgers like four seconds and he went 80 yards or 60 yards or whatever the hell happened there. But um, yeah, the 49ers um, are back home after, you know, happened to them on national television. I think it's a good spot for you to get the 49ers as slim favorites, albeit it is a divisional game. But I haven't liked the way the Seahawks have looked. Well, right now, especially defensively, like, defensively, they look like they're totally confused. This is the second year running of that. And it's just not what you expect to see with a Pete Carroll coached football team. So something's going on there. And I just don't think right now they are equipped to go into San Francisco and beat a 49ers team off of a loss in a primetime game. And essentially, if you're taking the Seattle Seahawks in this game, you're saying that they're going to beat the 49ers. And I just don't see that happening. Got a slim line here. San Francisco's a two-and-a-half-point favorite. I like them at home to, to rebound from the loss to the Packers. Okay, so we got the uh, the Washington football team giving one-and-a-half for Chad. He's got the Panthers plus four-and-a-half against my Cowboys and the 49ers minus two-and-a-half. Well, I'm going to start off playing the game tonight. I think the Bengals are really, really improved. I do. I, they're a much improved football team. They beat the Steelers in Pittsburgh last week. I don't think they're ready to be installed as seven and a half point favorites against anybody really, especially with Green Bay on deck next week. I think they may show their youth tonight and kind of overlook Jacksonville. And Jacksonville doesn't have to be great tonight. There's a million ways for them to cover the spread, including a backdoor. They're getting seven and a half. I know they're bad. You got to take a big swallow to do it. But I'm going to gulp and I'm going to take the seven and a half situational play. I think the Bengals are heading in the right direction. Jacksonville's not. I just, I don't like the sandwich for the the sandwich between two big games for Cincinnati. Uh, and I don't know if they're mature enough to handle the spot. So give yeah, me Jacksonville. Um, I, I sat obviously live last week and watched Jacksonville and it's, you know, a play here or there and they could have beat the Cardinals in that game. So um, I think they're a team that's they, though they're winless, they're not terrible. So it's not probably not a bad. No, team. and they're young, so they'll play hard. I mean, they're not a veteran team that was expecting something other than what they got. 
So I think they have enough youth there that they're still growing and trying to pile up uh, productive moments and winning a game is a productive moment in the NFL. So I think they'll, they'll, you know, you'll get a good effort. So we'll see. Um, four picks in here and this guy's got all dogs. I see what the theme is. No, here's where I'm always reticent. You know, I just went against my Trojans. Um, I'm on the other side of that Cowboys game with you for a few reasons. Uh, one, that's one where the line really doesn't make sense to me. I expected to see Dallas as a two and a half, three point favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I know that they get excited on Monday night division wins or, you know, those kind of big yeah, national you don't think that games. One and a half is Monday night cheap. Mm, part of it is something that I think a lot of people are, are discounting in this game. Christian McCaffrey's not playing. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a big safety blanket, uh, for Sam Darnold. Okay. He's a guy sure. that really takes a lot of pressure off him. Uh, they're coming in here, not playing the most difficult schedule. They beat the jets. They beat the Texans. Uh, granted, they did the Saints pretty good with McCaffrey. I'm not sure what the Saints are yet. We'll find out. But uh, Dallas has played as good you, uh, as good a schedule as you can play at this point. They've played Super Bowl champs. They've played an excellent Chargers team on the road and beat them. And they played a divisional opponent, which we know division wins or division wins. They're tough. Um, I just think Dallas is going to win this game. I don't know why I feel confident because I usually don't with the Cowboys. But I like Dallas in this game. Um, so. And then finally, there's one I, I just see a lot of people this team because of they had to beat Detroit on a 66-yard field goal. The Ravens were not good last week. They squandered a, a 16-7 to lead. They needed a miracle to beat the Lions. But fortunately, they were playing the Lions, and the Lions do Lion things. They're on back-to-back road games. But I'll tell you what, this is a mentally tough football team, and Denver hasn't played anybody. Denver hasn't beaten a team with a win. They beat the Jets. The Giants, and I want to say Jacksonville, if I go look at the schedule. They haven't beaten a team with a win. Now, I'm not saying that means Denver's wins don't count or that Denver's not improved, but they're stepping up in class here, and I think the Ravens are going to go to Denver. They're getting a point. Obviously, that's not a factor for me, and they're going to get the win. So, I think, uh, you know, I think Denver gets their first loss on Sunday. So, give, give give me the Ravens plus one. Yeah, by the way, I've watched the Lions a couple of times. Not a bad team. They play hard. They don't have personnel. They don't have anything. No, yeah, no, they give you effort. They give you effort. Cupboard is bare over there. All right, so it's Jacksonville plus seven and a half, Dallas minus four, Baltimore plus one. For me, Washington football team minus one and a half, Carolina plus four and a half, and the 49ers at home minus two and a half. Let's see how we did. Anything's better than what we did last week. I can assure you of that. So hang in there, folks. This is when we heat up. All right, our main topic. Um, that we need to talk about right here is, listen, Amol, college football, we love our coaches. Do we not? It's almost more about the coaches in college football than it is about the players. And rightfully so. The players rotate out of there every three to four years. Um, So the coaches tend to be the mainstay. But there's some guys that I think, Amol, are getting some love and maybe a little bit too much of it. Maybe too many uh, kisses on the cheeks for some of these guys. So um, you and I are going to put together a nice list of the top five guys we're not gonna have the same guys, so it might end up being 10 we might come up with 10 names here but um i can kick this off with my number five guy how about we do this let me let me make a suggestion and ask you if you want to do this rather than going back and forth why don't you you lay out your list five four three two one mm-hmm. i'll lay out my list five four three two one and then we can discuss them we'll see how many we have common if we have any common 
and maybe debate it a little bit. Okay, uh, sounds good. Okay. I'm down. I'm, d- I'm down for that. We could definitely do that. You know what sucks about this, Emil, is I'm going to have some guys on this list that I like, but it is what it is. Well, wait, let's define overrated. Overrated doesn't mean you're bad, necessarily. It means, no. Matter it means fact, you're, everyone on here is good. Yeah, it means you're kind of viewed in a light that that is beyond what the reality is. Even if you're good, you may be viewed as almost uh, godlike. How's that? Yeah, they've put a little bit too much dip on your chip, and I think your chip might break as a result. When your fault is right. that they, they, whoever they is, put too much dip on your chip. They is usually the media because they tend to hype everything because they need content. Anyway, starting up with number five, a guy who I like as a coach, Jim Harbaugh. Um, but you okay. know what, Emil? He has a chance to fall off this list. Now, the positives I could say is in seven years in Michigan. Jim Harbaugh's had three double-digit win seasons. In the 10 years prior to Jim Harbaugh's arrival, they only had three. So mm-hmm. he's been able to do that. He's won quite a bit um, at Michigan. However, you were brought there to beat Ohio State. You just haven't been able to get that done. Um, right. And there were, he comes with a lot of expectations. You went to Stanford. You essentially kind of kicked off what is the Stanford that we you know hold dear to now. You well, that, Stan- that Stanford's on the back nine. They're, they're going I, back I down. Hear, yeah. I hear you, but they're, they're, they're still riding on that reputation. Yeah, there. They're sure. probably a year or two away from falling off of that. But he's the one who kicked that off. Then you go to the NFL, and you have a great amount of success in the NFL. You got your team to a Super Bowl. So when you arrived in Michigan, in Ann Arbor, it was for the express written purpose of dealing with that team that's in Ohio. And you just haven't been able to do that. Now, granted, I don't know, you know, Urban Meyer had a lot to do with that. But he's number five on this list. He's my lowest on this list because I really think this year, Amal, I think he has a chance to exercise, exercise some of his demons. Ohio State. And maybe, 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 maybe flirt with a college football playoff. But for now, yeah. until you start getting it done against the Buckeyes, hey, man, you're overrated. You listen number to that, four, Michigan fans. Chad yeah. says your coach is overrated. Number fifth, he's the fifth most overrated coach in college football. Number four. Number four. This might blow some people away. Lincoln Riley. Listen, he's operating in a time, in a conference, when Texas is down. That's a big plus. There's no more Texas A&M. That's down. Competition is just down in the Big 12. And so he's operating in that. Yes, he's had a couple of really good quarterbacks come through there. Did he really develop them? I want to know. Because Well, let I, me ask you this. Is he even, a, I mean, other than putting up pinball numbers with some quarterbacks, I mean, really, Oklahoma's an all-time blue blood program. And I know a lot of fans would love to have what I'm going to say is going on in Oklahoma. But what have they really won? Um, nothing. Uh, I mean, they've won. They've won a week. Big Twelve, fine. And then yeah, they, you know, and it's kind of a quasi win. It's like, all right, you guys are the winners. There's no real big showdown there, like the guy before him had to have. You know, there was a Big Twelve championship game back when Bob Stoops was there, and he, Bob Stoops, well, and Texas was at the top of their game with Mac Brown, so Bob Stoops had a legit. You yeah, know, every great champion, right? Every alley needs a Frazier. Sure, no, Frazier. Maybe we don't think of Ali the same way. No, and Kansas State was no easy out, and you know, no, uh, TCU was an issue. So, um, 
Lincoln Riley's operating in a weaker system right now. So you know what? I'm going to need to see Oklahoma do something this year and the next year. I'm going to need to see Lincoln Riley develop a freshman quarterback, a guy that he got from the beginning and not a transfer in Spencer Rattler. I'm going to need to see him do that. Um, or you know what? He's going to have to hang around on this list for me. He's a, and the reason why is there have been so many expectations. His name comes up all the time. Wow. Lincoln Riley overrated, according to Chad Wilson. Number That's four. Right. Oh, boy. Spice Number three. Give up. me three. This is getting good. I like this list. Go ahead. Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo Fisher in his first 51 games at Texas A&M is 40 and 11. You know who else was 40 and 11 in their first 51 games at Texas A&M? The guy you fired to bring in Jimbo Fisher for crying out loud. Listen, he beat Florida last year, so I think he got a really big chest off of that. He did get punched and slapped around by Alabama, and most likely that will happen to you again this year. So you know what, Jimbo Fisher? He of the $90 million contract and you know um, some of the more ridiculous buyouts that I've ever seen, I'm going to need to see a little bit more than this 40 and 11 start. I'm going to need to see you knock off Alabama going to need to see you make a little bit more noise i need something for my money we're going to have to part ways here and i'm not a jimbo fisher fan per se but i gotta tell you you know why i leave him off this list because i think we our our view of texas a&m and the reality of texas a&m football when you go look it up are not the same i think most fans including myself tend to often view Texas A&M as being a lot better football program because of their cool traditions than they've really been historically. Mm. Texas A&M, you know, really for the better part of a century was Texas's little brother um, that if you go look at the, 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 the series with Texas, Texas dominated it for the, for most of a hundred years. Um, and they were usually seven and five, eight. And they four. don't even have to deal with it anymore. They don't have to no, but no, I get you in that, that part. But I think I think what he's doing there is, I, I I think we're tending to view him like, oh boy, you went to uh, USC or Oklahoma and you won nine or ten games, big deal. But I think if you go look at what A and M's done historically, he's doing pretty good. But uh, it could be, you know, I I see where you're coming. I'm not a big fan of his, by the way. I'm really not. But, uh, you know, I didn't have him on my list, but go ahead. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I will just add, I will just add, since, you know, we got up at the defense table and made a rebuttal. He's not won double-digit games. Kevin Sumlin did that. He did do that. Um, and he ushered this Texas A&M team into the SEC, into SEC play. So I am going to need to see something this year from Jimbo Fisher, and he's going to need to sustain what it is that he acquired from Kevin Sumlin. So right now, Jimbo's on my list. Can I bring up a sidebar and ask about Jimbo that I wanted to know if you noticed? Is it me or the last few weeks has it looked like they pulled him out of a bar to coach the games? Like he's on the sidelines with five o'clock shadow. I mean, it's either grow a beard or don't grow a beard. But I mean, it looks like literally this guy was drinking somewhere in College Station and somebody grabbed him by the collar and said, hey, you got to stay. Yeah, um, I, I did notice that last week in particular. Not any time before that, but I did notice last week like they swung by to Betty Ford and told him to hop in. We got a game. I did notice that. Um, number two on this list, and yeah, I'm going to have some people in the Gainesville area that are going to agree with this um, elsewhere, too. Kirby Smart, all right? Kirby Smart, you have been able to pull in the top recruits in the country um, throughout your duration 
at Georgia. From word go, you were getting those five stars. And there's been all kind of speculation as to how. I'm I'm here to say I think Kirby Smart's a really good recruiter. I think he learned a lot of great things under Nick Saban. He's been able to pull those top guys in. You know what, Kirby Smart? It's time to start cashing those checks. You're going to have to do better than the guy that they pushed out that was there before you. Mark Rick had 10 double-digit win seasons in 15 years. Now, yes, Kirby Smart is doing the same. However, you're not doing any more than Kirk, uh, than than Mark Rick did. So Kirby Smart, you've got a great team this year. If your team, well, for, first of all, up to this point, you've not been able to get the job done. You've not been able to knock off Alabama for crying out loud, Kirby Smart. That's why you were you you got the Georgia job because you needed to go beat your old boss because we're tired of seeing Darth Vader walking around choking everyone out in college football. You were brought to Georgia to beat Bama. You have not beat Bama, so you're on my list. Well, and you know, really he's good. almost he's almost like one. That's been a hundred years of Georgia football. I mean, if you really think about it, they're on that Florida Georgia line where they're getting great players, and they have for a long time. Mm-hmm. And the talent they've brought there over the years has never really equaled, you know, what ended up the product on the football field. Yeah, like why? You said, though, I would love to know. Would love to know why. And you know what, Emil. Kirby's done better than Mark Rick in recruiting, but he's getting the same results as Mark Rick. Same results. And again, there's nothing wrong. You know, in some ways it's almost being spoiled. There's nothing wrong with being nine and three and 10. For what What? they bring in. You better talk to those folks in Athens. They're not. Oh, no, I agree with you because when I look at the rosters, the talent they have is, is right there at Alabama many, many years. Hmm. I think it is at least maybe maybe not as deep, but at the, at the top of the, 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 the depth chart, I think, you know, when you're playing ones on one, you know, first team on first team, I think they can handle Bama. Now, Bama may have more depth, but George is not far behind. I mean, they're yeah, their ones are like Bama's ones. So I feel like Kirby Smart, like Jim Harbaugh. This is this is that year. You got to get it done this year because he just missed like my really list. But I, I, I'm I'm there with you. He just missed my list. All right. And number one, number one, jump, drum roll, please. <laughs> Ryan Day, Ohio State. He um, he was number seven for me there. I almost had him on there. Yeah. Good. You know what you've done right now, Ryan Day? You've scooped up a really good, well-run program that was left behind for you by Urban Meyer. I'm going to need to not have you lose a game this early at home against Oregon. I'm going to need you to not struggle against the likes of Tulsa. Um, And I'm going to need you to take the keys to the Maserati that you've been given. And I'm going to need you to drive it a little bit better than I've seen you driving it this year. Granted. Now, don't you you feel like maybe you and I are, you know, I didn't have him on my list, but like I said, he almost made the cut. Don't you feel like we have a little recency bias? And what I mean by that is we, we're remembering the struggles in these uh, games early against Tulsa. We're remembering the loss to Oregon, and we're forgetting that, you know, the guy's been either in the playoffs or right on the cusp of it every year. He's been there. Uh, you know, no shame when you're losing to Alabama or Clemson. I mean, are we being a little hard on him? No. Um, okay. I tend to look at a guy who w- – in those first few years, you're really working off of what was left behind for you. And if it was greatness that left before you got there, then you're working with greatness. And now year four or five, we're starting to see what it is that you've got. 
Um, so are you telling me he's the college football version of Barry Switzer's NFL? Um, I wouldn't go that far, but yeah, maybe because you know, you know what Jimmy left in Dallas. Right. Um, and, and you know, you know what, I'll give you a better one. Larry Coker in Miami. Sure. You yeah. Know, it could yeah. be one of those situations. We anointed him so fast. We had all these going things to say, and yes, the results stated that we should. He came in there that first year, 13 and one, then 13 and one, seven and one last year. But you know what? There was something not so Ohio state last year. And then this year there's even some more cause for concern. So this thing's kind of rolling in the, in the other direction. And you know what? I'm always hesitant to fire a guy before he's had his five years. On the flip side, I'm always hesitant to go anoint a guy until he's had his five years. So this is a key pivotal year, year four or five, that I want to see what Ryan Day has. And I think we may have put a little bit too much mustard on this hot dog. Well, you and I are very close. I'm going to tell you, uh, I have two of the five from my list were on yours. We didn't talk. And my, like I said, my six and seven were on your list. So out of my seven, I you know, scratching off, I got four that you had. Okay, so... We're not that far off. I have a feeling some of them here you're you're going to take umbrage with. But again, remember, I'm not saying they're bad. I'm saying they're overrated. Yeah, like I said, no one on my list is bad. I could never say that about that list. I, that's no. a who's who I just put together. My number five, amazingly, and we don't have to cover it again. We, we, we beat it up good, and I just agree with you. I have Lincoln Riley on there for all the reasons you talked about. I mean, yeah, fun to watch, great. You know, runs up numbers. Nice. Texas is down. The the, the conference stinks. <laughs> you know, yes. Do, do something else because Oklahoma is an all time blue blood. You're not impressing me yet. Okay. So you're number five. Number four is a guy, I, again, I don't want you to read it the wrong way because we just talked about him for the USC job, but I have James Franklin on here. Oh. Um, here's the thing. Penn State is is a top fifteen program historically. Okay, I don't know why everybody looks at them Whoa, like they're something. That's when the high watered, um, you know, emperor was there. Correct. That's one it. guy had it like that. One guy. Listen, listen. This man could not beat Ohio State in back to back years when he had double digit leads in the fourth quarter, and a guy that was drafted in the top three picks. In the NFL as a running back, that's not hard to figure out. You hand him the ball, okay? For some inexplicable uh, reason, he starts throwing the ball around. I watched him lose a Rose Bowl to USC that he led by 14 points in the fourth quarter with Saquon Barkley, okay? So he's a damn good coach until the fourth quarter, I guess. Is what he's he's a guy that can recruit. I feel he, he, Penn State will always be competitive with him because they will have players. I need to see him win the big games. I need to see him win the Big Ten and then do something. Go to the playoff now. He's there. This Maybe he gets off the list this year. They're fourth in the country. They have the schedule that they could be in the playoff. All right. Um, so, but, but, you know, I feel he's a good coach. Don't misunderstand. I just think he's overrated. Number okay. three uh, is a guy that, you know what, we got breathless over him. But his time has come and gone. It's Chip Kelly. I mean, everybody's no. doing what Chip Kelly's doing. And th- 
breathless when he beats an average LSU team. You see how he's back? They're back. They're back. And in comes Fresno State. And, <laughs> and Fresno State does them in the Rose Bowl. You know, we got so excited because this is the best UCLA team yeah. in the wild. Certainly the best under him. But I watched LSU against Mississippi State last week, and I was like, man, what is that? Yeah, I mean, LSU is, you know, we, we, again, the laundry. They showed up in LSU uniforms. That. LSU, who they be? That's just some imposter with a bad football coach that we, you and I happen to both like, and whatever. But Chip is, well, is a good coach. Come on down here with you. Yeah, come on down here with that sissy blue shirt. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it sounded funny, but that was it. Okay, Chip yeah, is a right. really good coach. I just think he's overrated. Everybody does what he. He's an innovator, but they all do it now. The stuff he, everybody does, so it's not innovative. <laughs> Number two. Mad at you. You know what? You're not mad at me. You, 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 nah, you, you, mad at you. Okay. You, you, you kind of see where I'm coming from. Number two. He could, a guy that went through my school. Can we stop with Lane Kiffin? Okay. Yeah. You know I like Just, Lane. Uh, I almost put. I, I almost put him on there. I almost put. Uh, him on. Listen, I like Lane. He's funny. He makes me laugh. He's a wise guy. I can hang out with Lane. I like people that are wise guys. But but please. Until he actually wins something. I mean, oh, Mississippi's... Oh. Yeah, they're fun to watch. Lane's a good offensive mind. Well, hold score on now. Points. Where has he been? Where has he been that he could win? And what's the something? What's the something that you need him to win? A championship? Uh, Again, no, no, no I don't need, I don't need Mississippi only- to win a national championship. But I need to see them go beat an Alabama. I need what? to see them go beat a Georgia. Maybe not wait, win the conference. Wait, what? Yes. Beat Alabama? Who's doing that? Who's done that? Let me go okay. look it up. I got, yeah. I got one go, hand. Let me, count the let me tell you something. If, if, if Lane is 10 and two this year and playing in a bowl game, even if the, though nobody cares about it, a major bowl game, maybe I remove him from the list. All I saw him do was get canned on a tarmac at USC, get canned <laughs> with the Raiders. That's, that's where it is. <laughs> I yeah. found the epicenter of this. Got <laughs> canned on the tarmac. I'm pulling up Mississippi's record right now because I need to see these. Wait, he was at Tennessee. <laughs> he, he left there for after a year. He, he was back to USC. At, he was not at Tennessee. Don't even count that. Yeah, right. Listen, I, good. Listen, do I think he's a good offensive football coach? I do. And I like Lane, but I just think people get breathless over him, and I don't get it. Hey, hey, well, I feel the need to express this to you. They've got Alabama this week. Um, no, not this. Yes, this week. It's in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, they're going to lose. Okay, fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that thing that you want to see them do, it ain't happening. Okay. Uh, they've got Arkansas. They've got Texas A&M. They've got Auburn and they got LSU. My friend, 10 wins and Ole Miss ain't coming together anytime soon. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so can we stop with Lane? Okay, and All for right. my number, my number one. He's on your list. It's horrible. Please. Oh, put him. Okay. Listen, he did a great job at Stanford. I get it. Okay. He, he recruited Andrew Locke. That was the biggest job. he. Oh. And he went to the 49ers and wore his welcome mat out after losing a Super Bowl. And as you said, he went to Michigan and he was going to bring Michigan football back to glory. Well, going 10 and three at Michigan is not glory. Just not. Yeah, I mean, Gary Moeller did that. Yeah, a lot of people do it. I mean, at those kind of schools, like what I, well, as, as I affectionately refer to them, blue blood programs, going 10 and 3 is like a shrug of the shoulders. I mean, 
you know, I don't even know who was coaching my team back few, seven years ago, eight years ago. They had a 10 and three or a 10 and four year. And I was like, oh, okay. I mean, you know, yeah. whatever. I mean, you know, Under, understandable. He was come. He came there to do one job, and you know, frankly, he just hasn't been able. He to hasn't do done it so for, and he gets so much attention. I mean, I, I, maybe it's not fair. Maybe he's not looking for it sometimes. But ESPN, uh, Fox, of you know, they're they're always covering Jim Harbaugh's doing this with his team. Jim Harbaugh's taking his team for ice cream today. I mean, I don't <laughs> care. I, Go yeah. beat Ohio State. <laughs> I get it. I'm not mad at your list. You know, Jim Harbaugh's on mine. He's five on mine, one on yours. And you know what? I I can't argue with anyone that would want to, want to put him there. You know what, Jim? Go beat Ohio State. We could, we could pull you off of all of these lists. Well, all right. We've been long-winded. We've gone, man, an hour and a half we've done here. And if you're stuck with us for this amount of time, um, that is a testament to who we are and maybe who you are, too, as well. You might be a little crazy. But uh, nevertheless, man, we've had fun doing here. We recapped it. Listen, we got to have a better college and NFL pick weekend. Oh, we will. We always get hot. We got, we, we're just loosening up. Come on. We're like a pitcher in the bullpen. We're just loosening up. That's right. So don't bounce on us now because you just might miss a complete 6-0, and maybe 12-0 and type of weekend. So hang in there. Hey, listen, we appreciate you guys joining us here. Got to tell you guys this in the beginning. But um, go ahead and subscribe. Hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you're using right now. Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We appreciate you joining us, however you manage to get here. We want to see you here every week. So go ahead and hit that subscribe button and um, enjoy the picks. Enjoy the thoughts and the the thought-provoking information that we put out here for you. We appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you guys again next week for Emil Calamino. I'm Chad Wilson. You've been listening to the Gridiron Start Show.